All right, so good to see all of you tonight. If you're returning, I'm so glad you're back. Um, it, it's so exciting to see you again, right? So thank you for coming back. If you're new, I'm glad you're here. If you're new, you made my whole week that you came tonight. I pray every week and say, God, bring new students here. So we're so excited that you're here. And our prayer is that this place would feel like home for you. And that might be weird the very first night. I'm not expecting you to be like, wow, this is home the first night. But our prayer is that as you journey with us, that uh, God would help you to make this place feel like home. And I pray that each person here would make you feel comfortable and that they would be warm and that they'd be smiling, even if they don't feel like it, right? I do that sometimes. It's okay. Because we're trying to make you feel excited and happy to be here, okay? So I pray that you'd always feel better when you come here. And not only that, I pray that you would encounter the love of God, okay? Because we believe that God is real and that he's alive today and that he loves to show his love to people. And my prayer tonight, if anything, is that you would experience the love of God that says that there's nothing that you could ever do that could separate you from his love, all right? I pray that you would experience that tonight. If you didn't know, our team here leads the Chi Alpha here and then also at Upper Iowa University and Hawkeye Community College. And last week, we launched on all three campuses, and we saw 30 students give their hearts to Jesus. All right, can we praise God for that? That's amazing. That's why we do what we do. We want to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we do this every week. And we love seeing people come to faith in Christ and, and seeing, their, seeing their relationship with God restored. If you hear a baby in the back, that's my baby. Uh, don't mind here. But anyways... It's the primary reason we exist. We exist to help people come to know Jesus. But we don't want that to be the only reason we exist. We also want to help people grow into fully formed disciples of Jesus, okay? So disciple is just a fancy word that, that means to be a student of Jesus or to be like Jesus to, or to grow into his likeness. So we want to help people not only come to faith in Jesus but also become like Jesus, okay? And one of the things we've found over our years of doing campus ministry here is one of the primary ways we can help people become like Jesus is getting them into community, okay? Getting them, or getting people with other Christians who both care about them and love them, but then also at the same time challenge them and push them to become the person that God's called them to be. It's this idea of, of being fully loved and at the same time being challenged to be all that God has called you to be. And that's why we have Tuesday night uh, services every week. We do this every single week. We put on this whole service because we want you to come here and be encouraged, but then also be challenged to become the person that God's called you to be. But then also we have small groups every single week, and those are starting this week. And this whole sermon is trying to get you to go to small groups, okay? That's our whole purpose tonight because we believe that small groups are powerful. Uh, these small groups are just groups of five to ten students where you share your life with each other. And our prayer is that in these small groups, you would both be fully known, okay, the bad stuff too, Right? We're not putting on masks. We're not trying to act like we have it together. So fully known, but then at the same time, truly loved. And you can't find that in most places in the world. If you share too much of yourself, people won't love you anymore. So our prayer is that in small groups, you would be both fully known and truly loved. Okay, that's our heart's desire. And I realized the importance of small groups when I was a sophomore in college. I was here at the University of Northern Iowa, and Kai Alpha started having small groups, and I was asked to lead one of them. And uh, in that year, God just rocked my world through that small group. And, and we had our first small group on a late August day. It was really hot. We were in Norn on the fifth floor. It was in my dorm. There's my small group for some of the guys. There's some weird dudes in that picture. But anyways, uh, so we had a small group. There was no air conditioning in Norn. I don't think there's 
still, unless they put air conditioning in in the new part, did they? No? No? Okay, so still no air conditioning. And there's 12 of us in this room, and we're sweating it out. It's like 90 degrees, and I don't know how to lead small group, because I had never actually been in a small group. So I'm like, okay, first night, we're just going to share our stories. And story is just a fancy word for saying our upbringing, our experiences as a kid, how we came to faith in Christ, or if we're on a journey with Christ, whatever. It's just that time where you share your life story. So we share our stories, and I went first, and I just shared my story completely openly, shared some struggles that I had, tried to show them that I'm not perfect even though I'm their leader. And then each guy went and shared their story, and by the end of the time, we were all crying. Twelve dudes, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, crying and sweating it out in Noren on the fifth floor. And we're all trying to stay close to those fans because it was real hot in there, but... In that group, I found true brotherhood. I found guys that said they would be there for me no matter what, and they backed it up, and they actually did it. I found guys who I could share the good, the bad, and the ugly with, and they would still love me. I was their leader, and I would share some pretty bad struggles at time, and they would love me still. And that night, a brotherhood formed, and God changed us all through it. We stuck together throughout that year. We openly confessed our sin to each other. We weren't putting on masks, we prayed for each other, we found victory over our sin. It wasn't just whining every week about our sin, we're actually finding victory as we held each other accountable. And we spent time together, we did weird things like this here, I don't know what's going on there, but uh, yeah, we had fun together. And God formed an unstoppable brotherhood that year. And ever since then, I've been a huge advocate of small groups. I bleed small groups. I believe small groups are where life change happens. I believe these services are great, and you should come because the Holy Spirit's going to wreck you here. But also, I believe small groups are important because that's where you can actually share your life, where you can actually talk and not just listen to me talk at you, right? It's an important time where you can share your struggles and be encouraged and be prayed for. And I believe there's a desperate need in our culture right now for this kind of community. There's a desperate need in our culture right now for true intimacy, and leading up to the sermon, I did some research on where we're at as a culture in terms of community, and it doesn't look very good, if I'm honest with you. According to a 2018 survey from The Economist, 22% of Americans say that they feel lonely, often or always feel lonely. A Cigna survey found that that, that that number was even higher, and nearly half of all Americans always or sometimes feel alone. 54% went as far to say that they always or sometimes feel that there's no one who knows them well. In Japan, more than a half a million people under the age of 40 left, or haven't left their house in six months. That's crazy. And that's where we're headed in America as well. We're seeing that happen. And, and research tells us that increased loneliness is not good for us physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And the consequences of our increase Increased loneliness is staggering. Our social isolation gives us a 26% higher risk of dying. And that number jumps to 32% if you live alone. And researchers at UCLA, or at UCLA discovered that social isolation can trigger cellular changes that result in having a higher risk of heart disease, of stroke, of certain types of cancer, and Alzheimer's. And social isolation... Social isolation also spikes our chances of mental illness. We are the loneliest generation on record, and we are an 
in an interesting day where authentic, real life-on-life community is becoming more and more rare. This could be catastrophic for us as we're wired to be with other people and to experience real community. So our prayer is that Chi Alpha can be a place where you experience true community. In fact, community is one of our core values. On our website, it says that we want to be a community where you have genuine friendships, where you feel at home and can be yourself, and you're lovingly encouraged to become the person that God created you to be. So with that said, tonight we're going to continue our revival series. And last week we talked about this idea that, that revival starts when we step into relationship with our Heavenly Father. And revival is just a churchy word that uh, refers to being awakened to the love of God and becoming committed to Him. And that starts when God brings you into relationship with Him. But now tonight we want to take it further and say that revival is sustained when we have a community to journey alongside with. I promise you, if you try to follow Jesus on your own, you're going to fail. I need someone to smack me upside the head once in a while because I'm stupid on my own, right? I need someone to come in and sometimes lovingly encourage me and say, hey, Daniel, you're not as bad as you think you are, right? I need people around me to help me follow Jesus, and so do you. So our proposal tonight is that revival can only continue if we have authentic community. So our sermon tonight is called Life Together. It's going to be all about this idea. So if you have your Bibles, turn, or turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's in the back part of the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, it's like right here, okay? So this is, this is where it's at. So really close to the back, okay? So turn there. You can look at the table of context, or contents. No one's going to judge you, right? All right, so 1 Thessalonians was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica. And Paul wrote... Paul wrote much of the New Testament and is considered to be the greatest missionary that the world has ever seen. And before Paul wrote this letter, he had already uh, spent some time with this church in, in Thessalonica. And he had shared the gospel with them. He had helped them become a church. He helped establish that church. However, since Paul had, had left Thessalonica, they began to question Paul's motives and Paul's heart and his sincerity because they were disappointed that he didn't come back to see them yet. Right? That happens sometimes. We get away from people and we start questioning them. We're like, oh, we haven't heard from them in a while. That must be a terrible, terrible person. Even though every time I'm around them, I feel better about myself. I feel encouraged. But now that they're gone, wow, I don't know. They might have bad motives. I do that sometimes. If I don't see people often enough, I wonder, wow, does that person really love me? And that's what the church at Thessalonica was doing to Paul. So Paul writes this letter. And in the first part of chapter 1, he, he defends himself. He says, hey, I'm the real deal. I love you guys. I helped start that church. You know, Paul got stoned and stuff when he tried starting this church. This guy's legit, okay? He's saying, come on. I suffered for you. I love you. But then here in verse 7, where we're going to pick it up today, Paul then points to his main argument for how they can know that he loved them, okay? So I want to read this. And as we read this passage tonight, I think Paul's words are going to provide a blueprint to us for how we should interact with each other as a community, okay? So verse 7 says this. It says, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Okay, so Paul's main point here is he's saying, hey, you can know I'm the real deal because I gently cared for you. 
I was warm towards you. I shared my life with you. I didn't just try to teach you the Bible or teach you the scripture. They didn't have the Bible then, but teach you the scriptures. Instead, I shared my life with you. I was dear to you, and you were dear to me. All right, so let's pray really quick, and then I want to jump into some teaching here. So Jesus, I pray tonight that this word would jump off the page and into our hearts. God, I pray that you would call us to be this type of community, God, just where we're gentle with each other, where we care or care for one another, Lord. I just pray that, that would happen in Chi Alpha, that each person in this room would find a small group and also a large group where they can truly be themselves and be gently cared for. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing I want you to get tonight is this. Life together is best when we become dear to one another. Okay, so the first thing we need to get from Paul's words for how to do life together is we must be dear to one another. And we must actually care for each other. And we must actually want to be around one another. and must be full of love in our hearts towards each other. We don't just attend services together, and that's most of our experience in church, if we're honest. Like, we just go to church with these people, and then we don't talk to them throughout the week. No, that's not what Paul's calling us to do. Instead, we actually want to spend time together and care for one another. I want to take these two verses, phrase by phrase, to really bring to life how we can care for one another. Okay, so in verse 7, he says, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Okay, so what a picture here of loving care. Paul, a man's man, he's a, well, I can't say a bee and then something else. He was a beast, okay? Paul was a man's man, and he was willing to say, he said, I cared for you like a nursing mother takes care of her children. As I said last week, Emily and I, have a daughter, she's in the back, she's 11 months old, and when I read this passage, I can't help but think of how well Emily takes care of Jane. When Jane was a newborn, I would wake up in the middle of the night to find Emily lovingly caring for baby Jane, and not complaining, but instead just caring for her. And to this day, she's always ready to spend time with her, she's always ready to encourage her, change her diaper, she volunteers sometimes, I'm like, praise Jesus, and teach her new things. And even as I was writing this sermon on Saturday, I could hear Emily and Jane in the other room giggling together. And this is what God calls us to as a community. It might sound weird to you, but this is what God calls us to, to, to have an Emily spirit for one another, this gentle care, this love, this nurture for one another, this idea that we protect each other, that we guide one another, in verse 8, Paul goes on, he says, so being affectionately desirous of you. Okay, so it doesn't stop with just caring for one another, but it's also this idea of being affectionately desirous. Okay, uh, so what does that word mean? That's what I think when I say that. What's that mean exactly? Well, uh, the Greek language, which was the language that, that the New Testament was written in, uh, the word for this is homoromi, and it means to desire, to long for. It's this idea of a longing of love. I believe God's calling us to have this longing for each other. So some of you have had a boyfriend or girlfriend, and when you first start dating, you're like, I'm longing for that boy. I'm longing for that girl. Those butterflies are going. You're like, mm, I just want to spend time with her again. She's so much fun. I believe God calls us to have, not in a weird way, but that kind of desire for each other. Like, wow, I just want to hang out with Gavin Hopp because he's a stud muffin. No, not because of that, but because I love him, because he's my brother in Christ, and I want to encourage him, and I want him to encourage me. I believe that God wants us to have this longing for each other, this idea that we're going to believe the best about each other, this idea that we're going to 
uh, do anything for each other, this idea that we're going to, or that we just want to be with that person. God wants this warmth uh, to fill our hearts as we spend time with each other, okay? And then he goes on. He says, we were, he says, we were, um, we were uh, ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us, okay? So the last thing I noticed about becoming dear to each other is we need to not just share biblical truth with each other. Like, yes, we're gonna like, look at the Bible, and we're gonna teach it to each other. We're gonna do that. That's important, okay? We're gonna do that. I love this book. It's my favorite book in the whole world, and we're gonna teach it all the time. But it's not just that, okay? Paul says, I didn't just share this with you. I shared my life with you. I actually shared my heart with you. And God calls us to do that as a community. And that's why we have all of our Chi Alpha events. We have Tuesday nights and small groups and fall retreat. Because we believe something powerful happens when, or when we actually share life together, when we uh, spend time together. So do you have people or a person in your life who's very dear to you? Is there someone you can think of right now? Like, like maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad or, or your sister, I don't know. I can think of a few people. I think of our team here at Chi Alpha, like, like that team is dear to me. I think of you, you're dear to me. I think of my wife, but there's someone else I think of. Pastor Jonathan, who started Chi Alpha here, He's someone who I would say is very dear to me. He pastors Cross Point Church in, in Waverly. And I can't tell you how many times I've cried in that man's office. Or I've called him on the phone and shared a struggle. He called me right before we started Chi Alpha tonight. And I was sick last night. I was throwing up. So stay away from me. And he's like, man, are you okay? He's praying for me over the phone. Okay, this is someone who's very dear to me. There's so many times that I would, like, or be sharing what I'm going through, and he'll just start crying because he loves me so much. And we're two grown men, all right? It's okay. We can cry together. I believe we all need these types of relationships. All right, so look around you right now. I'm being serious. Look around. All right, all right. You know, make eye contact with that girl you want to ask out afterwards. That's okay. Just give him a wink. <laughs> I have you do that not to be creepy, but I do that to say there's so many people in this room who really love Jesus and they would love to be that person for you. They would cherish it. Like these small group leaders, they've been busting their booties the last couple of weeks trying to get people to come to their small group. I promise you, they would love to be dear to you and for you to be dear to them. Yeah, the small group leaders are like, please come to my small group over here. <laughs> but these relationships where people become dear to you are not formed overnight. You can't just be like, boom, I want this relationship and for it to happen right away. It takes time. It takes time together. It takes intentionality of going to small group week after week after week, of spending time together, of going to Caribou and getting the biggest hot chocolate in the world and letting your small group leader pay for it. It's all right. You can do that to them. It's like seven bucks. That's not very nice, but, but anyways, <laughs> I'm getting on a tangent. All right, so a great way for you to find someone to be dear to you is to go to small group and, and to let that small group leader take you under their wing. Okay, because we appoint these people as smart leaders because we really believe that they have something to teach. And we believe that they love Jesus. So let them take you under their wing and pour into you. That's like their whole job. They don't get paid for it, but it's their job pretty much. It's like a minor here at UNI to be a Kyle for smart group leader. So, you know, take advantage of it and, and let them take you under their wing. Okay, so verse 7 and 8 shows us that each of us need people to care for us. And we also need to care for others, Right? God has called us into this. He's called us into this idea of authentically sharing life together and loving each other. All right, so it goes on, though. Paul goes on in verse 9. It's not just about being dear to each other. In verse 9, he says, For you remember, brothers, 
our labor and toil, and we work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And you are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Okay, so the second thing is life together is best when we lay down our lives for each other. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm getting into at this Kappa place. They're calling me to lay down my life for people I don't know. What is up with this place? <laughs> Paul, I'm laughing at my own joke. You know that's bad when you're <laughs> laughing at your joke. Okay, nobody laughed. All right, so, <laughs> you know, like I said, I was up all night last night, so give me some grace, all right? So, yeah, praise the Lord. All right, so Paul doesn't only model caring for each other. He also models the gritty part of doing community well, and that's the part where you sacrifice for your friends, where you give it all for them, where you do hard things for others. In verse 9, he talks about his labor and his toil, how he worked night and day, that he wouldn't be a burden to them. So what does Paul mean by this? What Paul's referring to here is he did not take any money for his ministry. It's actually a very, it's a very biblical thing for ministers to get paid by the people that they're ministering to because they're doing it full time and they need to be able to pay their bills. They're not supposed to get rich. Okay, if they're driving a Lamborghini, maybe ask some questions, but they're supposed to have their bills paid for and these shoes are like eight bucks, okay? So, you know, don't judge the shoes, all right? I know there's like preacher shoes account. But anyways, it's a biblical thing, all right? But Paul didn't take an income from them. Instead, he made tents on the side. All right, so Paul's this beast of an apostle, this beast of a missionary, planting churches all over the place. And on the side, he's making tents, all right? He's crazy, all right? That's how much he loved people, and he wanted to sacrifice for them. So he's saying, hey, I, I went above and beyond for you. I really sacrificed for you. Okay, and then in verse 10, he says, he says, your witness is how holy and righteous our conduct was towards you. So Paul didn't just sacrifice for them by, or by doing the work on the side. He also sacrificed by really trying to be Jesus for them. Okay, I'm sure they take them off at times. I'm sure they uh, sinned against Paul at times. But he said, we were holy and blameless in our conduct towards you. So Paul did his best to treat them in the way that Jesus would want us to treat each other. Or Paul was holy and loving towards them. So we're called to do this as well. We're called to be Jesus to one another. We're called to not retaliate when people hurt us. If you dive deep enough in community, I promise someone will hurt you at some point because we're human beings, right? It just happens, all right? So, but the question is, what are you gonna do when people hurt you? Are you gonna retaliate and say, all right, that person kicked me, I'm kicking them back, oh yeah. Or are you going to turn the other cheek like Jesus called us to, right? Paul said, I was holy and blameless towards you. I love you like Jesus loves us. All right, so 1 John 3.16, Jesus said this. He said, by this we know love that he laid down, or Jesus didn't say this, uh, the apostle John said this about Jesus. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Okay, so someone I think of when I think of this idea of sacrificing and loving people is Avery Schottler. Can you raise your hand, Avery? I'm putting you on the spot. Okay, Avery if you ever need anything fixed or anything done for you at all, Avery will do it. Okay, don't bombard him after this, like, hey, fix my car. But I'm just saying, this guy loves people so well. He sacrifices all the time. He helped me stain my deck this summer for free. I fed him a hot dog or something, but pretty much for free. And he didn't ask for anything. And it's because he loves people, because he's willing to sacrifice for his friends. And I pray that I could be more like Avery. I'm not trying to put him on the spot. He's going to kick me after this. But I'm just saying, be like him in that way. Okay, so watch how he does that and say, okay, I want to be like 
Avery and go out and sacrifice for my fellow Kyophians. All right, is that what we say, Kyophians? It's going to start now. All right, so anyways. <laughs> All right, so this is what God calls us to. God calls us to do hard things for each other, to be that friend who you can call in the middle of the night, to pray for each other even when we don't feel like it, to go out of our way for each other, to go to small group even when you don't want to. Okay, because small group is not just for you. It's not just for you to receive, but there's something that you might bring to that small group discussion that's going to encourage another small group person. It's not just important for the small group leader to be there. I believe all of us have stuff to bring to the table. And if you're not there, you're robbing someone else of a blessing because you bring a unique blessing to that circle. All right? So that can be a way of sacrificing, of going to small group when, even when you don't want to. And I'll be honest with you guys, there's sometimes as leading small group, I didn't want to go. I'm just going to be honest, right? It's not always fun. But I believe that there's something important that happens there and that we need to commit to this community, all right? So, and when we do this, when we love each other, I believe the world is going to be compelled. I believe the University of Northern Iowa is going to be reached when we love each other well. When they look at Kyle and say, wow, those people love like crazy. This university will not be won through us arguing with them or anything like that. Instead, through radical love, and mainly through the way we love each other, right? When they see us laying down our lives for each other, but, or for each other, they're gonna be like, whoa, I wanna be a part of that. In John 13, Jesus said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All right, there's one more thing in verse 11 and 12 that I think we should get tonight. Paul says, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Okay, last thing tonight is this. Life together is best when we call each other higher. Our life together is best, when, is best when we call each other up and into the potential that God has for us. Paul concludes his thoughts by pointing to the fact that he wasn't only a mother, like he wasn't only nursing them, but he was also a father to them. In verse 12, he says that he exhorted them, encouraged them, and charged them. I want to take two seconds here and unpack each of these words. The first one's exhort. So what does it mean to exhort someone? It's one of those words where I know what it means, but I can't explain it, so I'm going to try my best, okay? So exhort is this idea of calling on someone. It's this, it carries this idea of warning someone, of strengthening or comforting or instructing. It's, it's a really multifaceted word. It's kind of this idea of charting a course forward for someone else and showing them the way that they should go. This word is a great example of what a good father does for his children. A father is called to show his children how to live. For us, in the context of this community, it looks like instructing each other from the word of God, of warning one another about the traps of sin, and challenging each other. It's this idea of guiding one another, okay? So verse 12, it says, and encouraged you, okay? So the Greek word for encourage here suggests that we should calm each other down and, and counsel each other. So it's not only taking the role of a father and correcting and challenging one another, but it's also in comforting and calming each other down. I think of when a little kid tries to ride his bike or her bike, and they fall and they scrape their knee. The father comes up and says, hey, you all right, sonny boy? They say, yeah. I'm doing okay, daddy. No, I don't know. Sorry, I'm really tired. But anyways, the father picks up the kid, puts a band-aid on, and says, hey, I got your back, buddy. I got your back. I'm here for you. 
it's okay, daddy's here. It's this idea that when we struggle in this room, and you're gonna struggle, you're gonna struggle, right? Like the Christian life is not easy. You're gonna struggle at times. And when we miss the mark, we need to be there for each other, to pick each other up, comfort one another, calm each other down. I can't tell you how many times when I was in college and even you know, lately when I've struggled with sin and I just think, wow, I'm just so messed up. And I got an older brother in the faith who I can call and, and they encourage me in that moment and say, Daniel, you're not really that messed up. It's okay, buddy. And Jesus still loves you. And how that just brings this warmth to my soul in that moment. I'm telling you, you're gonna need people who encourage you when you mess up, because you're gonna mess up. And you're gonna need some fathers who look you in the eyes and say, I love you, like despite anything you've ever done. People who can be Jesus to you and model the heavenly Father's love towards you, because some of us don't have very good dads either, right? And we don't have good experience with a father figure really loving us. So I believe that people in this room can be that type of figure in those moments. I'm not saying that you're supposed to go find someone who's the same grade as you and say, hey, dad, I'm just saying, find someone who can function in that role at times for you, all right? There's one more thing Paul says. He says, and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So this idea of charging one another to walk in a manner worthy of God suggests a stern, bold call to be who God has called you to be. It carries this idea of challenging each other to rise up higher, I believe sometimes we live in a culture where it's like, it's okay, just stay the same. No, God calls us in this room to call each other up and say, you can be more. I believe you can get victory over that sin. I believe you don't have to give in to the rage that's in your heart. I believe that you can forgive that person. God is calling us to charge each other once in a while. I'm not saying charge and run at each other. I'm saying, get up, come on. God's got more for you. Earlier, I shared about Jonathan, my friend and my former pastor, and he comforts me so much, but also he challenges the heck out of me sometimes, and it stings. I just don't want him to challenge me sometimes, but I, re I remember back when I started dating Emily, okay? I was a freshman. It's full of butterflies in my heart. I was affectionately desirous of her. He pulled me aside that first week. He said, Daniel, you need to have this boundary and this boundary and this boundary so you can honor her in purity. I'm thinking, I don't want any of those boundaries. I want to make out with her. I'm being honest, that's what I wanted to do, right? And probably more at the time. But Jonathan was saying, hey, buddy, you need to set these boundaries if you want to honor her well. And I was mad at him in the moment, I'll be honest with you. And I didn't keep his boundaries, and I screwed up big time, if I'm honest with you. I'll talk more about that in February uh, during the dating series. So if you stick around that long, <laughs> you can hear about it. But uh, the point is, I didn't want to hear it, but I needed to hear it. And sometimes we need people who will get in our face and say things we don't want to hear. And I wish to God that I would have listened to him and been humble and said, yeah, Jonathan, you're probably smarter than me. You're 32 and I'm 18. You probably know what you're talking about. But instead, I thought I knew everything. I'm probably still dealing with that now, right? But uh, so over the last eight years, though, every time I've drifted off the mark into sin, I've always had him there and other friends that challenge me and speak truth or speak truth to me even when it stings. But it's okay to have that, right? We've been trained to think, oh, if it stings, it's not good. But sometimes we need that sting. We need that challenge. We need that rebuke. God calls us to speak truth in love to one another, okay? All right, so we don't just need gentle, mother-like figures in our lives. We also need fathers in our lives who are gonna chart a course forward, who are gonna 
challenge us to step into God's plan for our lives. And we need people who we can confess sin to, and after being encouraged, like, or just like a mother would, and loved, and, and told that it's okay, at the same time will challenge us and say, okay, now it's time to walk away from that, and to, and to take up better steps in the future, right? We need those father figures. We need people also who actually know the Bible better than we do, and who we can go to and ask questions to. This idea of, of a, a figure in our life who has wisdom, who we can go to and say, hey, can you teach me what this means here? I don't quite understand this. We desperately need both or both the mother-type figures and the father-type figures who can push us to become the sons and daughters that God has called us to be. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. Revival is sustained by pursuing God with others. Okay, so it starts when you come into, into relationship with the father, but it's only sustained when you actually jump into community. It's only sustained when you have a mother-type figure in your life, when you have a father-type figure, when you have people who lay down their lives for you. Spiritual growth or spiritual revival can only be sustained if you have people in your life who love Jesus, who know the real you, bad stuff and all, okay, leave the mask at the door. I don't really care about that. Like people who really know you and your struggles and then also can consistently care for you and challenge you at the same time. So Paul gives us here the blueprint of how we do this, of how we continue to grow spiritually in the context of community and I think it's so important that as you jump into this journey with community and with Jesus, that you just use this as a guide to guide you through your journey in college. So tonight I wanna challenge you to find a mother-type figure who can, love for, or who can love you and care for you. And that could be a dude as well, okay? I'm pretty motherly at times. Nah, maybe not, but I try. Someone who can be affectionately desirous of you. You have those people in your life who when you see them, your heart just warms? If you don't, you need to find those people because it's an amazing feeling. When you walk in a room, you see someone who you're affectionately desirous of and your heart just begins to burst because you love that person so much because you know that person because you know the real them and you've walked through life together. I pray that each of us would have a mother type figure and, and that each of us could be a mother to someone else. I believe you also need a father type figure who can challenge you and, and tell you the things that you don't want to hear and someone who can set a good example for you and call you up higher. Because I'm telling you guys, you all have so much potential. I'm telling you, each of you limit your potential. You think way too small about yourself and you need a father who can look you in the eyes and say, God has made you for more. I can think of so many times when an older person would look me in the eyes and say, Daniel, I see this in you. I see the call of God in your life. Now fan that into flame and walk in obedience. Follow God's call in your life. I pray that each of you would have someone like that who sees things that you can't see about yourself, who calls out the gold in you. In general, we need a community who's gonna lay down their lives for us and who we can lay down our lives for. A community who's gonna model the love of Jesus to one another. I think this community here can fulfill some of those needs. I believe there's mother and father type figures all across this room, and I believe that you're a group of people who wanna lay down your life for others. I believe that about you. However, I don't think any of us are gonna be able to do this perfectly. There's no perfect mother or father type figure in this room. 
the only person who can truly be that perfect mother, that perfect father, and who can lay down his life for you is a, is a man named Jesus. He's the only one who can do that. Jesus was so motherly when he walked the earth. He cared so well for people. In a time when his culture was a patriarchal culture and oftentimes men were to be feared, children felt comfortable coming and sitting on his lap and hearing from him. And women felt comfortable enough to follow him. Jesus was so gentle. He was gentle like a dove. He, he cares so well for people. And he is still alive today. He can care for you in that same way. At the same time, Jesus was such a father figure. Like he wasn't afraid to flip some tables over at times and say, hey, this is wrong, and you need to repent and go back to the Father. There's times where he would challenge his disciples. There's one time, you don't have time to jump into tonight, but there's one time where his main disciple, Peter, says something really dumb, and Jesus calls him Satan. It seems a little harsh for Jesus, right? But he called him that because he knew that Peter was hard-headed and needed a stern rebuke. So Jesus can be both his mother and this father-type figure. But he's not just that. He's also a savior. He's the one who modeled perfectly how to lay down your life for someone else. Each of us were born sinful and headed towards hell. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you that way. I don't care how much you've messed up. I don't care how far you've fallen. I'm going to go the extra mile for you. So Jesus comes out of heaven. He lives a perfect life. He he never sinned once, and then he died the death that each of us should have died on the cross for our sins. And not only that, he then rose from the grave. So Jesus went all the way to see us saved. He sacrificed in the most profound way. And relationship with this Jesus is available to each one of us. So if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray that you would find the perfect mom, the perfect dad, and the one who will lay down his life for you all in one praying for that. And as we put our trust in this Jesus, and as we try to be like him, as we try to become his disciples, we can be Jesus to one another and to the world. We can follow the way of Jesus and the fact that he was so tender and caring. Some of you guys are like, I can't do that. Some of you girls are like, I can't do that. But as you get to know Jesus, his tenderness begins to be implanted in your heart. And you're more tender than you ever thought you could be. At the same time, as we journey with this Jesus, we're going to become more fatherly toward each other and be willing to say hard things. Some of us love to be liked. We never want to challenge anybody. But as we see Jesus and we get close to him, we're going to be willing to say hard things because we want our friends to become the people that God has called them to be. And also, we're going to model what Jesus did on the cross to this world as we lay down our lives for each other. All right, can you guys stand with me tonight? I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. I want to ask you right here, right now, we're in week two of the semester. You just met some of us like a week ago, and that's, that can be kind of scary. But I want to ask you to make community a priority in your life. And I hope it would be this community, but any Christian community. I just want to challenge you tonight to make community a priority. Can we do our best to be here every week, even when we're busy, even when we got that test coming up? Can we make a, and make a commitment to gather together every single week so we can encourage and challenge and strengthen each other?
Can we make a commitment to small groups? I just want to challenge us to do that tonight. I believe if we do that, if we commit to community, I'm telling you, God is going to change this campus. God always loves to use groups of people to change a campus. Not one individual, but a group of people locked arm in arm together. All right, so let's pray for that tonight. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to ask you two questions. The first one is this. If you're in this room, and I shared a little bit about what Jesus did for us on the cross, and if as I shared that, you're thinking, I'm not in relationship with Jesus right now. Or you're thinking, hey, I once was, but I've walked away from it. And if you want to make a commitment tonight to follow Jesus and to walk in relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We do that every single week here at Kyle, but because we believe that God wants to call sons and daughters home. All right, so if you want to put your faith in Jesus and begin to walk in relationship with him, I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to slip up your hands. It's just between you and God. It's just a signal, because in Romans 10, it says, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So in Chi Alpha, the way we do that, the way we confess with our mouths, the way we believe in our hearts, is just by raising our hand to heaven. So I'm going to count to three, and then I want you to slip up your hands. One, two, three. All across this room. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's tons of hands going up right now. Keep them up. I'm going to pray as you have your hands up. Jesus, I pray right now that you would see our desire to follow you. Jesus, I pray that each and every student and staff member and any person in this room would have a relationship with you tonight. God, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins, that, that you would come in and, and give us a fresh start, God. Tonight, we confess with our mouths that you're Lord, and we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead. And we thank you that you'll be faithful to save us as we believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, second question tonight. You keep your heads, well, actually, keep your eyes open. This one's not too crazy. If you want to make a commitment to community tonight, I want you to get real crazy and put up both hands to heaven, saying, Jesus, I want to be a part of community this year. I don't want to go it alone. I don't want uh, to try to do things on my own. Instead, I want to commit to community. I'm going to jump into small groups. I'm going to have a community of believers who can jump or come around me and encourage me. So, Jesus, tonight, we just pray that you would help us to be the community that you've called us to be. I pray that every single person in this room would have someone who gently cares for them. I pray that every single person in this room would have a father-type figure who can challenge them into the things of God. God, I pray that each of us, as we journey together, would realize our potential as sons and daughters of God. Father, we love you. We thank you for everything you did tonight. In Jesus' name.